Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to chsrhealthylife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. chsrhealthylife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Get ready for Mind Shock with Dr. Ron Dalrymple, the premier podcast in the world bringing you hidden truths about your mind's incredible powers. Get ready to free your mind. Everybody, welcome to Mind Shock, Dr. Ron Dalrymple, the show that will take you to the outer limits of your mind and to the inner limits, the true final frontier. We try to stay up on the themes of today, what's happening in the world behind the scenes, to give you the latest inside information of what's happening behind the scenes, often involving what the news, the media, the various authorities are not telling you, which by our analysis are happening. So our theme for this show is evolution of the supermind, the idea that we all have within us something much greater than just the ego mind or the daily mind, something far more powerful, far more creative, which is the source of our inspiration in many cases and insights in life. Now, I began working in the field of science many, many years ago. I was always fascinated by math and physics. Of studying that plus history and other subjects since a young age. Started college at Maryland, University of Maryland, majoring in math and physics. I was intrigued by topology, calculus, and higher mathematics, and started taking as electives some psychology classes. Meanwhile, I was working at NASA, sort of there at 17 years old in the summer before my freshman year, and then combining various psychology classes with the math and physics, I was kind of shocked to realize that. You could describe all the major theories of psychology with mathematics and physics, quantum physics, topological math, and calculus. I told a few folks about that. I told some people I knew at NASA about that. Some laughed. One guy said, you should go live in California. But one, one gentleman, Dr. Isra Adler, physicist from New York City, kind of looked at me puzzled, and he said, you know what? You should go research that. He spun on his heel and went down the hall. So I have, from last half a century, in any case, the idea is that if the mind is an energy field that transcends the physical brain instead of being a subset of, it explains much more phenomena of the nature of our world than otherwise. If we assume that the mind evolves the subset of the brain, the brain is superordinate, then of course the mind would die at death. The idea that the mind transcends the physical brain is something totally different. It changes everything. It changes all our perceptions of science, reality, and this world. So the true final frontier is inner space, the exploration of the true powers of mind. So our mission is to take you to the true outer limits of inner space. Think about that, the outer limits of inner space. It's a great paradox. Today's chaotic world, 
there's a huge revolution sweeping the globe about who we are, what we are doing here. Many people are digging into this issue and pondering who are we really? Who are we as beings? What is the nature of life? What is our mission upon this planet? Are we just animals who crawl up out of the dust, as some theories would tell us? Or are we far more than that? So there's now a mind revolution that is changing everything. In fact, a revolution has been going on for many millennia, different peaks and valleys, as we'll talk about. Various renaissances have occurred throughout history, periods of increased illumination for mankind when a lot of progress is made in the arts and sciences and insights and so forth evolved from them. Of course, there's various setbacks, often following political tides. In any case, today we have whole new theories of mind that turn old science on its head. Old science three-dimensional and limited to the physical sciences. So the old scientists certainly are often distracted and upset by this whole new approach because they're locking their egos. Their egos are attached to research they've done. Their names on their papers and their books and their careers are based upon what they've done before. Some of these folks will get stuck in their ways and stop looking forward, stop looking for better and deeper answers. They fixate upon what they've done in the past. In case we have new models of science that consider n dimensions, as the mind's energy field can be described by n dimensions and n approaches infinity. Now we're talking about a luminary series here, series on the greatest minds in history and what they've done, what they've achieved, and so forth. We've talked about Francis Bacon somewhat. What I want to do today is take a very slight segue involving Bacon, of course, but also involving some other issues which have come up. Because we look at this entire system of development in terms of the development of ethics and even chivalry. Chivalry is a concept going back many, many centuries, which has to do with instead of higher ethics, walking a higher path, doing the right thing. We might think about that this concept or set of concepts have risen and fallen with the tides of time. Now, it's well known that history's prologue, what's happened in the past, repeats itself over and over. This is a spiraling effect of progress, where progress is made, we move ahead slowly, step forward, step backward. In fact, we often go through times of chaos, in fact, historically, where everything seems to fall apart. In fact, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, a very famous person philosophically, said about cynically once that we do not have to visit a madhouse to find disordered minds. Our planet is a mental institution of the universe. Well, is that fair? Well, it might be a bit extreme, but the point is made that some folks get involved in various states of confusion, of mental disorder. And sometimes these people are in charge of various systems which get way off track. So we live in, today you might argue, very non-chivalrous times where the younger generation has been taught in school to disrespect authority because there's no authority imposed there. They can do whatever they want to do because they can file lawsuits against teachers and whatnot and they don't get their way. Teachers feel overwhelmed, tend to withdraw, simply teach those who want to learn like classrooms run amok. And we were kids growing up in school. There was order in the classroom. There had to be teach to occur. Sometimes too much order, sometimes it's too rigid in some systems. The idea of sit down, shut up, and learn, which some folks rebelled against. In any case, 
Today, things are going the other direction, often into chaos. Now, there are many famous cases of chivalry in the past. You may have heard about Sir Walter Raleigh, who was a very famous figure during the Elizabethan times. There's an instance where he supposedly laid his cloak across a puddle of water so that Queen Elizabeth could walk across her cloak and not get her feet wet. Now, today it might sound like an absurdity, but in those days it was considered to be kind of a high camp example of chivalry where a knight laid out his cloak for a lady so her feet would not be splashed upon. There's some famous woodcuts about that and so forth. In any case, Raleigh's a very famous character in history, so it's little because him in a little bit. In the case, chivalry first appeared around 1200 A.D. It's a code for conduct created for aristocrats. And at the same time as Magna Carta, I heard of Magna Carta created in 1215 A.D., to take away some of the power from the king, King John. It was not created as an instrument to help the people, to help create democracy, as is often assumed, but rather to help out the barons, the knights, the dukes and the earls, and so forth, to give them more power against the king. And it had varying degrees of success. It was contradicted many times. It's been fought over. But its true intent was to give more power to the feudal barons, not to the people. Now, later on, Henry VIII invented the divine right of kings to give himself more power, take more power back to conglomerate more power. Talk about Henry VIII before he's a very powerful figure in history. We'll get to why he was able to be so successful in that area. Another figure in history was Edward Coke in the 17th century. He used the Magna Carta to argue against the divine right of kings. So Magna Carta has been used as an instrument of argument against total power taken by one person, which has been applied in different ways. Coke was a famous barrister and judge during the Elizabethan era. Now, both James I and Charles I argued against the Magna Carta. Well, small wonder. And James I followed Elizabeth I, came into power in 1603. His son was Charles I. In the case, they fought, of course, for more power for the king. They tried, in other words, hold on to the power created by Henry VIII, passed on through his children and so forth, and after that, while other forces were trying to tear that away. In fact, what James I brought to London from Scotland, he was James VI, what he brought to London and became James I in 1603 was debauchery, unhappily. In other words, a dissolution of concepts, a dissolution of order, and following the lower paths of interests. He's put in power quite intentionally in order to break up the power of the throne in London by the people who are manipulating things behind the scenes, which we'll get to. Charles I, who was the son of James I, was actually hung in 1647 by Cromwell and his backers. That was not really a case of the, the people overthrowing the king, as we've been told about the English Revolution and so forth. That's a lot of baloney. The reality is it was regicide with the murder of a king, the assassination of a king, to remove him from power so that the international financiers who backed Cromwell could take power, which is what they did. Now, the political argument of Magna Carta lasted up until the founding of America and beyond and influenced the U.S. Constitution. Through chivalry, created an idealistic code of behavior to follow, which has been shown in many forms. It keeps resurfacing the idea that people should follow a higher path, should do the right thing, 
to treat others with respect, kindness, goodness, and so forth, because that's a higher way to follow. Not because they have to or are forced to, but because it's a higher moralistic path. So it demands high moral standards and ethical conduct toward the weak and the disadvantaged in society. We see these concepts today in masonry as a group of individuals often attacked by the media and whatnot, the Masons this, the Masons that, but the Masons actually exist to do chivalric type work, to do public works, and teach their people to walk the higher path. Now, are they involved in all kinds of other stuff behind the scenes? Well, I don't know. But on the surface, certainly, in terms of interacting with millions of members worldwide, we try to follow that higher path and try to bring good behavior to a wide range of people. In case the idea to help widows and orphans which is straight into some of the works, is a metaphor for helping those who need help, which is most people at some time or another. Most folks need help in the path of life at some point or other, and people are encouraged to help lift those up. So it's really one of the pathways of light, one might argue, versus various pathways of darkness, which is working in the world today. So many folks throughout history have worked towards the light, have tried to do good things, good works, lift humankind up, do better mankind, humankind, make their past and their experiences upon earth better, while there are others who are constantly trying to enslave others, to take control, to take power, to rule others for the sake of ego and greed. There's a battle constantly going on between good and bad, darkness and light. So we'll get more into that in a little bit. In any case, where did the code of conduct come from? So the code of chivalry developed in earlier centuries, as I mentioned, it arose in the Carolingian Empire from the idealization of the cavalrymen. They include military bravery, individual service, and training, and service, of course, to others. It arose in Francia, which is now France, in the ranks of Charlemagne's cavalry. Now, Charlemagne, you might recall from school, is a very, very famous figure. He's a great king who helped organize Europe at the time. He's also called Charles the Great. They're from 747 to 814 A.D. He was king of the Franks, king of the Lombards, and the first Holy Roman Emperor from 800 A.D. This is very important because, remember, the Roman Empire fell around 300 A.D. or so. It was being attacked by the Visigoths and the Huns. It was falling apart through disorder and chaos. It was being picked apart by those who were in control, naturally. It had been a very powerful force ruling the world of the days, was now much of Europe. They extended their power through Francia into part of what's now Britain, up to Germania, it's now Germany, and also to the east. So they ruled a vast area for the day, but over time it began to fall apart. So it needed new codes, new ideas to keep it together, which is why in 325 A.D. the Bible was recreated. The Council of Constantine the emperor called for a new code to be created, for the Bible recreated. It's put into a new form, and that was used as a foundation to try to reorder the empire. It was later called the Holy Roman Empire, where the, those kinds of concepts were used to organize people and bring structure to society. So when Charlemagne came along, he reorganized Europe at a higher level from 800 AD on, after some 500 years of things falling apart. She succeeded in uniting the majority of Western and Central Europe. He's the first recognized emperor to rule Western Europe 
after the fall of the Western Roman Empire, centuries earlier. The expanded, the expanded Frankish state that he founded was called the Carolingian Empire. His reign spurred the Carolingian Renaissance. It's a Renaissance of the day where it's a period of energetic and cultural activity within the Western church and societies. So it spurred more reading, writing, art, and whatnot, more thinking, more philosophy, because it created a period of peace, much like the earlier Pax Romana. So there are periods of wars that go on, people fighting for control and power and whatnot, and peace is restored for a period of time where other higher things can come out. That's been the experience, hopefully, of the Western world for the last several hundred years, where some degree of peace was established, more philosophies have come out, more studies, more education for people, but there are constantly those behind the scenes trying to subvert that, take it in negative directions. In any case, that Renaissance in the 800s preceded the much larger Renaissance that occurred in Europe in the 1500s and 1600s. Where did this come from? Well, the father of Charlemagne, going back further, was Charles Martel. Now, Charles Martel is also known as the Hammer, either from 676 A.D. to 741. Very powerful figure. He was a brilliant military leader. He was known to be ferocious in combat, but also very, very smart. We could outthink and outmaneuver his enemies, much like Napoleon later on. Napoleon was a military genius, but got off course as well. Charlemagne is quite brilliant in combat, could think ahead of his enemies. He had great military victories and also a prowess in politics. He was Duke and Prince of the Franks. He was called Mayor of the Palace. In those days, he's de facto ruler of Francia from 78 until 741. He gained a great victory against the invasion of Aquitaine at the Battle of Tours in 732 A.D. That's a very, very famous time in history because the Moors were invading from Africa and so forth. They'd come across the Iberian Peninsula through Spain. They were coming up into France, what is now France, trying to take over eventually all of Europe. There's an attempt to take that over, remove it from Christianity and Judaic rule in different areas. So Martel stopped the invasion. It was a very decisive victory. Now, more invasion attempts occurred, more battles occurred, but basically the tide then flowed forward in terms of what Martel had established and stopped the invasion. So a big, big change in history. Many more attacks followed. The tours have been seen as a seminal event in stopping the Muslim invasion of Europe. After the Battle of Tours, Martel built up the cavalry and developed feudalism. This is very important. He developed feudalism to maintain protection of the lands to prevent another invasion by the Moors. So it was a system, a structure created where knights swore allegiance to the king and were granted lands to own and work and also to protect. So knights must swear allegiance to the king. That became a thing where if you didn't swear allegiance, it could mean your life. Their job was to protect the lands. Now, at the bottom rung, you may think of a pyramid of society. The very bottom rung were the serfs, the peasants. And this, these, of course, were the vast majority of society. The vast, vast majority were farmers, or some were itinerant type work, work people. They perhaps were blacksmiths, or silversmiths, or coppersmiths. But many were farmers. Many, many lived in abject poverty. They barely got by. They raised food and so forth. It's also involved the priestly class, 
who take vows of poverty, in any case, the peasants and serfs, the vast majority of folks right above them in power were the knights or vassals, vassals to the lords. The knights, of course, were the arm of enforcement. These were soldiers who would train in knife, knife fights and swords and lances and whatnot and cavalry charges and whatever. They were trained in combat to fight other groups where the Lord might direct them, but also, of course, to suppress and control the peasants. So every time a feudal king or queen is set up, they need the armed enforcement. So the military serves to suppress its own people, something we've seen throughout history, depending upon who's in charge and who's in power, or I should say it can be used for that. So knights and vassals and whatnot, vassals to the lords, they performed military service, they paid homage, they then got back food protection and shelter. Now above them in the pyramid are the lords, or vassals to the king or queen, so the lords were the earls and the dukes and so forth, the dignitaries of the nobility of the time, also the higher-ranking people in the church, who also took on more and more power through that era. So they really were the ones who ruled over the lands in various respects beneath the king. So in other words, an earl or a duke might be granted thousands of acres to rule over. They might have many knights working for them, and many peasants between or beneath to raise food and so forth, which created the wealth of that area. In case folks are talking today about the history of chivalry and how it's played a role throughout history for many, many hundreds of years, Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Mind Shock, this ties into our Luminary series, that's interacted with the evolvement of which illuminated beings throughout time. There's a lot more coming for you. This is really a fascinating topic. Hang on, folks. We'll be right back. More coming. This show is brought to you by BarkBox. Free box to all listeners of Mind Shock. Go to BarkBox.com forward slash Mind Shock. Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity, things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything. And once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question on Amazon Prime. ASMC, the premier German company that supplies everything for adventure, from outdoor clothes to outdoor gear, even backpacks. Lots of quality and lots of specials. To start your adventure, go to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ASMC. Paradise Found 2015 is a film that sparks of intrigue about the discovery of quantum field psychology. Throw in a sexy spy story, a conflict between father and son against the backdrop of NASA, and interspersed with World War II flashback combat scenes, and you'll be surprised to discover the foundation of a whole new theory of mind. Rent or buy Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com and prepare for the explosive conclusion. That's Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com. Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, 
Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. A complete mind development course, The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, helps you develop your concentration, memory, imagination, and more, all to help you program your mind towards success. But it's not a boring read. You are taken on a journey with a young man who is trying to start his own business and immerses himself into a journey of self-discovery. A powerful book that you can read again and again. Get The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple at Amazon.com. The Inner Manager at Amazon.com. Remember, positive impact. www.healthylife.net. Welcome back, Dr. Ron Dalrymple, talking on Mind Shock. Today we're talking about the history of chivalry throughout the ages, which is a higher code of conduct people encourage to follow. We've seen in recent times the dissolution of order in our society, the dissolution of respect, the dissolution of how to treat other people. The deterioration of society has been manipulated behind the scenes by other forces. We'll get more into that. But it's important to understand that your old society is influenced by economic forces, political forces, and within that matrix, various minds grow, a highly creative nature, and many are suppressed. In case these are difficult times, so we're talking about how, how to illuminate what's going on so folks can understand this and better deal with it. In case we're talking about there being a pyramid of power in the Middle Ages, actually before the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages still, we had peasants at the very bottom, both that were knights, Above them were lords who ruled over the knights, and above that, above them were the king or queen. We had absolute power. These were absolute monarchs whose word was law. Whose force has absolute law. In any case, we see different tribes of people fighting for control, for power, and for wealth. In society in those days, it's interesting that society created reflects the consciousness of where people are. So we see an agrarian society where power is emphasized, and those who are admired the most have the most power. The old idea that right makes might, but it was mitigated somewhat by the concept of chivalry that one must also do the right thing and walk the higher path. So a theme of might makes right has existed since people crawled out of caves, where people would fight for order, for power, control from other tribes and whatnot. It's often taken. So... In any case, control over the people has been maintained by three methods throughout history. And this all follows, of course, after what might, might be called the, the fall of humankind. We talked before in previous shows about how mankind has fallen from a higher state of consciousness. That's the story of the Garden of Eden is all about, is that at one time we existed more in a higher conscious state, that various forces occurred and people became distracted, the higher awareness, when you stay focused on the higher concepts, in other words, and dwell upon those and allow that power to flow into you, like downloading to you from a cloud of energy into the conscious mind, which then allows you to have insights and directions of power in life, which help you solve everything and things come to you. When you fall off that focus, you get pulled into the distractions, the illusions of the material world, we get way off course, 
things start to go wrong, things go against us, and we start creating our own chaos. We get attached to desires and fears. We get controlled by the consequences of our desires and fears. We get involved in relationships with other people based upon those desires and fears. We create more chaos and more chaos. Entire societies might evolve based upon those lower emotions. But we talk about some of those issues in our film, The Endless Question, which talks about the evolution of consciousness. It's a two-hour documentary on Amazon based on our book, Quantum Field Psychology, to Whole New Theory of the Mind, which is how physics and math apply to conscious evolution. In case, another book we wrote is The Inner Manager, a young man's journey to higher consciousness is influenced by a brilliant woman who teaches him how to move in that direction. But we're seeing here an evolution through time of consciousness, which is a function of society. In fact, the society is very suppressive can actually induce faster growth of consciousness, which is very important today because we have more suppression today, more negative forces today. People need to step up more today, start developing higher states of awareness to deal with the oppression out there. And understand we all have great powers inside us, that we are not serfs, we are not pawns of these systems, but we are far more. In the case, historically, control over the people has been maintained by three methods. One is military force, which is more obvious, where people are rounded up, herded up by militaries, by various forces of armed, armed people, who then push upon them the will of the so-called ruler. Now think about in ancient times when people were all in a higher conscious state and the fall of humankind occurred because people were distracted by the illusions of the physical world. And certain strong men, strong women came along who wanted more control, more power to organize their people around those concepts and fight for others. And what eventually evolved were military forces to enforce what one ruler wanted against another ruler. At times, one tribe would join another tribe to make a larger force. Eventually, these grew into larger and larger forces, eventually into nation-states through the Middle Ages. So we now have these huge nation-states around the world, which are very powerful, but they're, they're held together by their own military forces. And that really is the ultimate rule over the people, which maintained in various ways. The second means of controlling mass populations is through religious control, where certain religious doctrines are created, and forced compliance goes along with it. Now, one good example, of course, is the Catholic Church controlled the Europeans in the Middle Ages. If a king wanted to marry, for example, he had to ask permission from the Pope. The Vatican had to approve of it. So if the king wanted to invade another country, he also needed the Pope's blessing. So whatever they did had to come with blessings to the Pope, or he might be excommunicated, that's forced compliance, until their souls would go to hell for eternity unless they comply with what the Pope wants. Remember, the popes were involved in ordering the invasions of Palestine and whatnot, the Christian invasions of Palestine and so forth that occurred in Jerusalem, where many, many folks were slaughtered trying to bring Christendom to the Muslims. So all sides, all different religions were religious, were created various acts of atrocities throughout the years, throughout the centuries, people killing people on one side after another, with religion often backing these wars. One would suspect that the higher power does not approve of such things, that these are humankind's misinterpretations. In any case, religious doctrines can be used to create forced compliance over people to hold them in line. This occurred through the Middle Ages. But that was contradicted when Henry VIII broke away from the Vatican and created the Church of England. So he went to marry Anne Boleyn. He wanted to marry Anne to continue his own line of development, his own family line. 
You want to have a male heir. Catherine of Aragon, his first wife, did not produce one. She had Mary, became queen later on. Anne Boleyn had Elizabeth I. Actually, Elizabeth I later on, but he wanted that male heir. So he broke away from the Vatican, created the Church of England, married Anne Boleyn. She did not produce a male heir for him, so he later executed her based on false charges and so forth. But then he brought to England the Church of England, his own church, where he became the not just the king, but also the nominal head of the church. There he combined two very powerful forces together. He combined control by military and control by religion. Because he made himself the head of the church. He made his own doctrines up to run the church with. And you must swear allegiance to him in those days or else lose your head. So his dukes and earls had to swear allegiance to his made-up doctrines or else. As you can imagine, many folks of the older faith rebelled against this. And great wars evolved from this. Great battles, great rebellions occurred. So the first means of control is military. The second means of control is by religious doctrines. That's been shown throughout history. And the third we'll get to in a moment, folks, we're talking about the evolution of consciousness and the history of chivalry as these have evolved upon planet Earth over the last, well, thousands of years, really. Today we're talking on Mind Shock, Dr. Ryan Dalrymple, talking about what's been happening in the world and where we're heading next down the road. Folks, you have a lot more coming. Stick with us. We'll be back in a moment. A word from our sponsors. Here's a fun, stimulating program that can teach you how to develop your own powers of creation. It uses a three-part mind, stimulating approach to get you to develop your own creative thinking. It will help you create a powerful self-image and helps you see how you can take creative action. You'll develop your thinking power and your skills, and you can do this in eight days. Get Dr. Ron Dalrymple's book, Eight Days to Creative Power, on Amazon.com. Overcome your problems with the step-by-step guide. So get Eight Days to Creative Power on Amazon.com. Get high-quality glasses, sunglasses, and prescription lenses at eyeglasses.com. Choose from over 250,000 items and 400 brands. Already have frames? Get replacement lenses. It's easy. Go to our advertiser page and click eyeglasses.com. A complete mind development course, The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, helps you develop your concentration, memory, imagination, and more, all to help you program your mind towards success. But it's not a boring read. You are taken on a journey with a young man who is trying to start his own business and immerses himself into a journey of self-discovery. A powerful book that you can read again and again. Get The Inner Manager by Dr. Ron Dalrymple at Amazon.com. The Inner Manager at Amazon.com. Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity, things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything. And once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question 
on Amazon Prime. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back, Dr. Ryan Dalrymple and Mind Shock. They were building up to some shocking, shocking insights. Once you hang in there, we're building up to it gradually. We're talking about control of the mass populations by military force that evolved many, many centuries ago. The control by religious forces also evolved at his peak in some respects in the Middle Ages. The Vatican really controlled most of the Western world, where the Pope had to give permission to the kings and queens. That's what they did, who they married, who they divorced, and so forth, even the start of wars. But then along the lines, another approach evolved that is controlled by subterfuge, including today medical, medical manipulation, assassinations, even genocide, believe it or not, propaganda, election fraud, and much more. So controlled by subterfuge has been added to the mix of how to control populations. Now, going back a little bit to Norman's conquered Italy and Sicily, and then invaded England in 1066 A.D. by William the Conqueror. So the evolutions of time we're talking about on the continent of Europe moved also to Britain, became a real key point in what evolved afterwards. Many consequences grew from this. So chivalry was first instituted as a means to tame the primordial side of humankind, which eternal combat can evoke. So it's important for the cavalrymen to have a code to follow because when people focus only upon war and combat, you can take over their thinking and their behavior and go too far. Now, early in his tenure as king, Henry VIII focused on chivalry and magnificence, as did his friends. His pal, the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V of Spain, called himself the, the emperor because the areas he controlled, and Francis I of France. So Henry was a young king. He was first inaugurated or made king in 1509. We just saw some... Similar things happen, of course, with the death of Elizabeth II, Henry III, I'm sorry, Charles III taking over. Remember, Charles I was hung in 1647. Charles II had a lot of problems as well. This Charles III, we hope, will do better or have better fates. In any case, Henry became king at a very young age. He was, in 1509, he was like 18 years old. So a very young man, full of energy, full of fire. His father, Henry VII, had taken power in 1485 from Richard III in the Battle of Bosworth. He was a very ruthless person. His father had killed off his enemies. He had taken control of the crown. He knew that to maintain power, he must kill off his enemies, so he had his knights and whatnot hunt down, and his assassins, hunt down all members of the Plantagenists and whatnot who took power from to kill them off. Some still lived in the days of Henry VIII, whom he killed off. So in these days, folks were very, very ruthless, and so goes on today behind the scenes. In any case, he wanted to maintain his power. So Henry VIII was celebrating feats of arms, male friendship, pursuit of beautiful women, and chivalry captivated Henry VIII and his friends. So he liked the idea in a kind of idealistic way. They had these jousting competitions and so forth. They're so living out the ideals that he saw of chivalry. So it fit in with the idea of knightly power, of being a knight, being powerful, but also doing the right thing. So his spectacular tournaments and events let him display his bravery and jousting skills. So he first ruled by force, as taught by his father, Henry VII, 
He's a forceful ruler. He got into various battles down the road to Vatican. He eventually became a ruler by religion as well. Now, within his jousting on March 10, 1524, he suffered a jousting accident after he forgot to lower his visor and jousted his friend, Charles Brandon, the Duke of Suffolk. These guys were close friends. They grew up together. In any case, he was greatly injured by the accident. He was unconscious for a while. He was in a coma. Now, before the accident, Spanish and Venetian ambassadors described him as charming, witty, personable, very likable individual. He was unconscious for a while, then came back, and after the accident, he became impulsive, angry, often depressed, and ridden with migraine headaches. So for those of you out there in the medical world, what kind of injury did he sustain? Well, now you've guessed, he had TBI, traumatic brain injury, from this accident, we have to infer. It certainly is a symptom, symptomatology of patterns pattern of behavior that he had impact upon his brain, so it changed how he thought and it changed his behavior. So over time, he became more irascible, more irritable, became involved in a number of wars with Francis I of Spain and Charles V of, I'm sorry, Francis I of France, Charles V of Spain over the years. So many, many battles ensued from this. His intent to honor chivalry was literally generated by his willful acts in his battles with the Vatican. So he became obsessed also with the idea of producing a male ruler, which took him to war at the Vatican. This war went back and forth for many years as he fought to be granted his divorce from Catherine of Aragon. As I mentioned, because of that, he, well, first off, he killed two wives. He killed Anne Boleyn, number two, later Catherine Howard, number five, for other reasons. But he founded the Church of England in order to marry Anne Boleyn and declared himself its holy ruler. So his word was the word of God. He then argued and built upon a concept of the divine right of kings. He was chosen by God to rule. That's very convenient for a ruler to say that. So he had military power, great military might, as they built up the English forces over time. He had to that the concept of now rule by God. He was a spokesperson for God, he claimed, give himself more power. So he ruled by the force of force and the force of religion, Church of England. And as I mentioned, if you not swear allegiance to him, you would lose your head, literally. So where did this come from? Well, he was influenced by Niccolo Machiavelli in his book, The Prince. Now, you've probably heard of The Prince, Machiavelli, or Machiavellian politics. Machiavellian politics says, of course, the ends justify the means of far more. It's really a book or a guidebook for those who wish to rule. It tells people how to rule others, how to be in charge, how to enslave the masses. How to control people, how to manipulate them, how to deceive them. And that, of course, is rule by subterfuge. Now, Machiavelli was a minor Italian diplomat who lived from 1469 to 1527. Went to Prince about 1513. It wasn't published till 1532, well, after his death. But Henry got a hold of this. Henry VIII got a hold of this. was really impressed by the ideas and realized, as influenced by some of his advisors, he could use this as a means to manipulate and control the masses. It was a very, very powerful approach. So he incorporated these ideas in his rule, became probably the most ruthless in power to those ages, at least those recent ages, in building and holding his power base. So remember, he then ruled with military force, forced religion, and subterfuge, all three methods. All this is used today, of course, by rulers in various respects. You see it throughout the world, 
but Henry was the first one to demonstrate these, at least in modern ages. Now, again, going back briefly, Anne Boleyn was the second wife. She was the mother of Elizabeth I, who was the mother of Sir Francis Bacon. We mentioned Bacon last time and in the past. Bacon was a luminary in history, one of the great minds who evolved, evolved in the chaos of his family, where his grandfather, Henry VIII, was a very powerful ruler. His mother Elizabeth was also very, very powerful. But he was told to keep all that quiet. He had to live in secrets because she was the virgin queen. Folks, they were talking about the Luminary Series and the history of chivalry as it ties into it and the evolution of consciousness. Focusing back again on Francis Bacon a little bit. A lot more coming, folks, about where the world today has come from historically. Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Mind Shock. Be back in a moment with more. Paradise Found 2015 is a film that sparks of intrigue about the discovery of quantum field psychology. Throw in a sexy spy story, a conflict between father and son against the backdrop of NASA, and interspersed with World War II flashback combat scenes, and you'll be surprised to discover the foundation of a whole new theory of mind. Rent or buy Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com and prepare for the explosive conclusion. That's Paradise Lost 2015 at Amazon.com. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the Rent-A-Car banner. Do you ever wonder how the mind works? The Endless Question, a film by Dr. Ron Dalrymple, shows you a new theory of mind, one that bridges the road between spirituality and science while revealing to you the laws of creativity things that can open up your mind to limitless possibilities. It is literally a theory that changes everything, and once you know it, you can apply it to your own life. View The Endless Question for free on Amazon Prime. The Endless Question on Amazon Prime. This is Jack Maher from the band Feed the Kitty. It's important to support the artists you love, and you can do that and get something authentic for yourself. Rock.com has the most coveted, licensed merchandise of music, culture, and entertainment. So go to the advertiser page and click on Rock.com now. Quantum Field Psychology 2nd Edition is an astounding book on the new theory of mind. It is the first unified field theory that incorporates the influence of the mind and emotion on physical reality, the universe, and even other minds. It actually integrates all modern psychology with quantum physics, mathematics, Western, and Eastern spiritual beliefs. It's the true bridge between science and spirituality. Get your copy of Quantum Field Psychology, second edition, by Dr. Ron Dalrymple on Amazon.com. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net. Dr. Ron Dalrymple and Mind Shock, talking today about the Luminary Series, the evolution of consciousness as told through the history of chivalry, which is an approach of conduct to walk the higher path, do the right thing. We live now in non-chivalrous times where people 
are degenerating that type of behavior. We see more chaos in the streets and dissolution of the law. Increase of chaos as people have fallen away from this higher paths of conduct. The point being that when we fall away from these higher concepts, entire society degenerates, which could be by accident or could be by manipulation. We'll talk about that. In case Francis Bacon, who's the son of Elizabeth I, had to live in secret because his mother told him to not reveal that he was her son. We talked before about there's a big fight in court. He had an adopted cousin, Robert Cecil, who accused him of being the bastard son, pardon the language, of the queen. He told the queen that when the ladies in waiting court had said that, said, actually he's the one who said it, he blamed this other girl in the court for it in order to attack Bacon and also insult the queen. The queen was infuriated. She assaulted a girl. It was a process perhaps of even killing her, and Bacon interfered, stopped his mother in her rage. She turned upon him, turned her venom upon him. We talked about she might well be a borderline personality disorder, given her behavior. She raged against him and said, yes, you are my son, revealing that for the first time in court. Others were shocked to hear this. Some knew it already. Yes, you are my son, but you will never succeed me. She said vindictively, you will never succeed me as king. You will never rule over me or these lands. So he was shocked, of course. He had no idea what to make of this. He'd known she was very close to him. He was raised next door by the Bacon family. He'd been adopted by them. She gave him to them to hide the fact he was her son. And then she sent him to Paris for three years, where he studied with many folks in the world, many great mentors, and then brought back to England many metaphysical works, such as the Masonic and Rosicrucian teachings, so those orders. He went on to live a very prolific and creative life, which profoundly influenced the world. In the case, he wrote the Charter for the Commonwealth of Virginia, establishing the English presence in the Americas. He was named Virginia after his virgin queen mother. Like I mentioned, he also helped found the Masonic and Rosicrucian lodges in America. He also translated, he and his group of writers translated the major works of the world from Greek and Latin into English using the Gutenberg Press. Henry VIII, his grandfather, used the Gutenberg Press to manufacture propaganda to better control people. Something else that Henry had done along the lines of subterfuge, controlling people through propaganda, now done today prolifically. Bacon made his works available to the world. His group also created the King James Version of the Bible. The King James, who took over in 1603, when in fact that, that job as king should have gone to Francis Bacon. He tried to maintain peace so he wouldn't be executed. So he basically went along with the appointment of, of James and cullied his favor, as it were. And one of the things he did was create the King James Version of the Bible. If you read the flowery language, the imagery and symbolism, it's very much like the Shakespearean plays. The Shakespearean plays were quite brilliant, written by a, a great psychologist and philosopher who happened to be Sir Francis Bacon. There's much evidence to that effect. He was one of the great minds of that era. I had to keep his true identity hidden. So you can imagine all the conflicts he went through. Many characters in his plays reflect his life as well as his mother and her behavior. It was a very, very difficult place to be. But in any case, we talked about the Spanish had built up a massive, massive fortune by invading various places of the New World ever since 1492. The first 10 years of 1492, the Spanish and Portuguese had taken tons of gold and silver from the Native Americans that killed them. They killed some 100,000 people the first 10 years. That genocide went on from 1492 
for many, many centuries afterwards, frankly, and Spanish Armada was built up based upon the gold and silver stolen from the New World. So by the time of Elizabeth and whatnot and Francis Bacon, the Spanish Armada was very powerful. It's 130 ships. In 1588, the world changed because they built their power up. They were threatening to invade England. They wanted to remove Elizabeth, who was more of a Protestant, or actually she's between Protestant and Catholic. But they wanted to remove her from the throne and bring Catholicism back to England. So they sent the Armada full of ships of torture to England. But on the way, they stopped at Calais, which is in France. So the ships were docked there. Now, Elizabeth knew this. There had been a number of battles and skirmishes at sea in the meantime. The English were attacking the Armada and whatnot, led by Sir Walter Raleigh again and Sir Francis Drake. So when the Armada was parked there, they sent eight fire ships into the Armada, which set them on fire. Many ships started to burn. Remember, on board these ships were, you know, bivouacked many, many soldiers, many sailors, and instruments of death from the Inquisition. So many people died there. The Armada took off to escape. They made a mistake of sailing north. They wanted to sail south and fight more of the English. They took a greater risk. They sailed north around the north of England in the very dangerous seas. And as a result, many, many ships were lost at sea. So some 60 ships out of 130 were sunk. They lost at least some 15,000 troops. So the Spanish Armada was broken. The power of Spain was broken. Remember, that power was based upon the stolen gold and silver from the Americas. By that point, the English had been developing their power base, their wealth, by building up their own gold and silver taken from the New World and also many other things they discovered. But in any case, they outmaneuvered the Spanish. Liz got a lot of credit for that. She dressed up in her, her warrior's uh, outfit at one point to defend England, a very famous scene. She's leading the troops out by the coast. But in fact, the Spanish were defeated at Calais. So the torture instruments the Inquisition were destroyed, which were used to force people back to Catholicism in Spain. So in any case, the Spanish were attempting to use military force in their forced religion, the first two means of control, to conquer England, right? Didn't work. They were defeated. Now, more battles raged back and forth between England and Spain until 1604 treaty was signed between the two nations. And by 1603, Elizabeth died, and Bacon's enemies, who were lurking around, sabotaged, as I mentioned, his becoming king. They were hovering around her as she was dying. Members of the Cecil family were there. Remember Robert Cecil, his adopted cousin, whom he had a big fight with years before, had sworn revenge against Francis, had sworn to get even, had sworn to destroy him if way he could, and he got his big final chance, one big step, by making sure that Francis did not get the crown. Instead, it was decided to go to someone else, to James VI of Scotland, who became James I of England. It was a manipulation to keep Francis Bacon from the throne. Bacon represented light in the Renaissance. He's a person of the light. And we brought the various higher concepts to London from Paris. He spent three years there studying with the luminaries of the world. At that time, Paris was the golden spot to go to. It still is a great place to go and visit. It's a cultural center. It has been for hundreds of years. In any case, he came back to change person. He learned a lot. He grew a lot. He would have brought the world of light to the crown and whatnot, and would have been a totally different king. Instead, James I was made king. James I brought debauchery 
to the throne, as was intended by those who were pulling his strings by international bankers. Now, so here we have the evolution of history influenced by these very malign and predatory forces working behind the scenes to create their own selfish predatory world versus an individual when to bring the world of much higher consciousness. Much as we see in the world today, many folks are fighting for higher states of mind. We've seen today a mind revolution going on, as I mentioned before. Many folks are waking up to bring on this higher state, and we're contradicted and counterposed by various dark forces who are constantly trying to control, enslave, to, for example, to monitor the media and whatnot, and to suppress your free speech, like on social media, well, suppression going on, which is ridiculous, because they're afraid of free speech. In a free society, you have free speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of voting. We have fair elections. We've had rigged elections for a long time. There's very predatory forces behind the scenes for centuries now, now coming to the fore, making their big play, one would, one would think, for more world domination. We talk about the illumination of consciousness, again, in our film, The Endless Question, to our documentary on Amazon Prime. It's free on Amazon Prime if you have Amazon. It's about the fact we all are higher conscious beings inside these physical bodies, and most of us don't realize it. You know, we show there's a scientific basis to understanding that in quantum field psychology, a whole new theory of science and psychology based upon quantum physics, topological mathematics, and all the modern-day psychologies, but taken to a higher level, to a new paradigm, to quantum field psychology. Also, our book, The Inner Manager, by Young Man's Journey to Light. Also, Eight Days of Creative Power, How to Unleash Your Creative Powers Within by Cognitive, Emotional, and Behavioral Behaviors to Bring Forth the Power Inside You. Also, I love you, God. The idea of focus on the higher concepts within to make them more powerful within you. We have another book on our website, drryandarample2.com, called Mind Games People Play, about the games people play to manipulate us, to control us, to confuse us. So we have the fight for light constantly going on versus the fight for darkness, trying to hold us back, suppress us, and control us. Going way back, folks, to when people crawled out of the cave, there's always those trying to enslave and control us for their personal benefit where the vast majority of people just want to be free. Studies have shown that people want freedom more than love even. Most folks want to be loved, but they want freedom even more so. We all hunger to be free, to be left alone by these tyrannical governments who constantly try to enslave us, control us, and manipulate us in endless ways they create. Now, with the new technologies, we also need new means to misuse of those technologies so we might create much greater freedom and light upon Earth. So the whole journey... I would say we all have a point on Earth to discover greater light, to expand our states of consciousness, to evolve into who we truly are as higher conscious beings. And we need this now more than ever for folks to wake up, to work towards this, to work towards the light, to not be fearful of the darkness, but to cast them aside, because light always dispels darkness, the powers inside of us. So fear nothing. Folks, check out our books, check out our works. The Endless Question, our two-hour documentary on Amazon Prime, based upon the book. Quantum Field Psychology, and there are other books on Amazon. Check those out, folks. We've interviewed a lot of great folks on this show. Check those out. They're on the website for Healthy Life Net under Mind Shock. Great, great show, great station. So we'll talk to you more next time. Dr. Ron Darrenville signing off. Hang in there. Keep the light within. The light is within you. Let nobody tell you different. Take care, folks. God bless. See you next time. Dr. Ron signing off. <laughs>